You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 293, and today we are doing part two of the listener feedback. That's right, we had so many letters and voice messages that we had to do a part two. Also, because I ended up talking to Marco for way too long, and uh, that's probably going to happen this week, because as promised, Michael Oakley will be here for the Q&A, and what was supposed to be a five-minute segment is probably now going to be a 45-minute chunk of the show. But I have to finish all the letters today, so this might be a longer show, but I'm still going to try and contain it to two hours, and we'll see what happens. Anyways, let's get the show started and listen to some cool music. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons. With the 88, it's Chris Dance and Robert D. Bishop, Collector. With the 82, it's Mike Shima, the Kings of the Pattersons. But they may have just been dethroned by someone who has officially donated the most of any single donation. I've ever received to the point that it makes me uncomfortable, but I'll tell you all about that after we listen to an awesome song from Ferrari Kid. This is Wonderland featuring Chevy, the Don Boer remix.
All right, and that was Wonderland featuring Chevy, the Don Bohr remix of a track by Ferrari Kid. That is correct. And that, of course, was brought to you by my awesome supporters. Now, I received uh, an insane donation about two days ago. And uh, <laughs> it was incredibly generous. And I don't think anyone's going to be able to top this one. They wrote me a letter and said, Hi, Andy, I heard you mentioning contracts with evil oil corporations and stuff multiple times on the show. So here is your chance. I'm the CEO of Genorgoneft, an oil company from Mother Russia. We are going to turn your show into a world hit with a multi-million audience. This is just a small token of gratitude to catch your attention. My We'll get in touch with you later to discuss the budget. Also, one more thing. I'm totally messing with you. Sorry, please don't hate me. Stupid jokes are my weakness. There is no oil company, and I'm only an average person with an average job, and I just wanted to make a one-time donation to the podcast that brings me the most joy. You are awesome, and thank you for keeping the show running for so many years. Well, listen, dude. Thank you (laughs) for the insane donation. So I would just like to say that PayPal didn't give me any information. It didn't give me your email address. It did have your name, although you told me not to say it. And that's about it. Because as soon as I read this, I was like, oh, I gotta fucking email this guy. Like, this is insane. So please send me an email, because I should give you more thanks than just reading this paragraph. I don't want to embarrass you and say how much you donated, but I will publicly say that that is the most anyone's ever donated at one time. And if it ever gets topped, it'll be by, like, an actual oil company. So to you, I just want to say thank you you very very much and uh, please get in touch with me with your email or something because i feel like i appreciate that you like the show and i'm very grateful for the donation and at least get in touch with me so i can say what you're called because of course uh, i have to add you to the kings of the patterson's list and uh, right now i don't have a name to do that but anyways uh thank you so much mysterious anonymous Russian donor. And yes, I will use my show to influence the outcome of the upcoming Canadian election. Oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to read that part. (laughs) Trudeau? More like true don't, am I right? Anyway, let's listen to another song, all right? And this one's brought to you by uh, my awesome Patreon supporters, Jose Arbello, the King of Hell, Mike Erdahl, the Donation of the Beast Plus 50, and Tim Carlton, the Golden Boner. I hope you dig this. This is Midnight Hi-Fi with Taking Off.
All right, that was Taking Off by Midnight Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi. No, no, Midnight Hi-Fi. Do you ever hear people that do that? Like, they'll say, what's on TV? But then some people will say, what's on TV? What's on TV? Anyway, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Krona Club. We got a meal in Hampus ML. And I got a letter here from Tim Carlton. Now, he's referencing when I played the Master Boot Record track from a few weeks ago. I looked up the definition of antsy. It's a computer term. And Tim Carlton has informed me, you misspelled antsy, A-N-S-I, as ANSI, A-N-S-Y, and it's an enhanced terminal console overlay based on V10-100 that peeps used to use to draw ASCII art on BBSs. ANSI creators on demand, A-C-I-D, were a great representation of the art. I'm telling you this because I know you don't care. Well, Tim Carlton, you... All right. Okay, I got a letter here from Knight of Ducks. He says, Hello, Andy. Back in February on my birthday shout-out, you asked about where I got my name. A few years ago, I saw an ad for Darkwing Duck returning to comics. It said the Duck Knight returns. So when I made a Twitter account, I wanted that as my handle. But it was taken. I changed it around to Knight of Ducks. And the rest is history. Keep making a cool show. Well, Knight of Ducks, I will. And thank you for that. And I got a letter here from Neverman. You know Neverman. He's a cool guy. He says, hey buddy, hope you're doing well. Me, I'm making pancakes. On the last episode, you talked about patrons not requesting songs, although it's included in the patronage. I would love to request a song. So yes, that's true. For all you people who are in the $25 club, you can request songs and I'll play them. Unless they're absolute shit. Anyway, he goes on. I would love to request a song. Lightning by Brandon and SJ Bravo. Just because it's awesome. Titty dip to you. And for all of you who want to know all about titty dip, go back and listen to the episode I did with Neverman from uh, about a month ago. Was that? Was it longer? Anyway, so look, listen, I will gladly play this song because Brandon makes awesome music and his collaborations with SJ Bravo are wicked and uh, i just like to say that this is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters there's Jacob Wick, my semi-sonic friend and City Hunter, the coolest guy in town and this is Brandon with Lightning featuring SJ Bravo
Brandon with the track Lightning featuring S.J. Bravo. And that's a cool song. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Hugh Hefner with the 2666. And in the $25 Club, we got Clint Dowling and a star apart. And I got a, a message here from Jonathan, a.k.a. Binkley. Hey, Andy. I've always wondered, if money was no object and you could have any guest you wanted be on Andy's spaceship, who would it be and why? Thanks. Speaking of Andy's spaceship, by the way, please uh, subscribe to the Andy Spaceship YouTube channel because that's where all the new episodes are going to go. And I've just finished editing the newest one. So hopefully it's going to be out either next week or the week after. Of course, uh, patrons will get it early because it is technically finished. This is sort of an interesting question because I'm sort of differentiating Andy's spaceship from Beyond Synth. So, so far I have only had musical guests, but the idea of Andy's spaceship is it's probably a show where I am going to steer away from the synthwave scene when it comes to guests. Now, obviously, it's still going to be rooted in synthwave with the music, and obviously the voice actors have all come from the synthwave scene. But when it comes to Andy's spaceship, I would like to talk to anyone who has made something that I have some sort of interest in, whether it be like, you know, video game designers or movie makers, people in animation, people who have cool YouTube channels, like... But if if money was no option, I could just have anybody. Again, this answer is going to be sort of boring. It's pretty much just things related to Doctor Who. You know, Doctor Who is my favorite show, classic Doctor Who, and some of my favorite actors who are involved in the classic series are still around, and it would be cool to be able to talk to them, like Tom Baker, who is a very old man now, uh, but it would still, that would be awesome. I mean, I would talk to anyone who played the Doctor who's still alive that was uh, in the classic series, and also people who worked on the music and writers and stuff like that. Again, this is 
terrible because no one gives a fuck except me. Uh, Al Pacino, just because Scarface is like my favorite film, so I would love to talk to him. It's just weird because whenever I've seen like awesome actors who I really like in interviews, whenever I've seen Al Pacino in interviews, like he doesn't seem fun. You know, like a lot of actors are like kind of serious people. Like Gary Oldman, you know, that dude is like put out so many amazing performances and every time I see him in interviews, he's just like boring. So I would say, yeah, so to answer your question, it would probably be anyone related to classic Doctor Who, um, as far as like Hollywood things, Al Pacino. I would have loved to talk to like Robert Loggia. That dude... Oh, you know what? Arnold Schwarzenegger, actually. I would I would like to talk to him. He seems like a funny guy to talk to. And he's in a bunch of movies I love. Mark Hamill, maybe. Maybe my favorite voice actors from the cartoons I grew up with who are still around. Generally, I want to talk to fun people, though. I could say musical guest. I would love to talk to Depeche Mode because Depeche Mode is my favorite group before, you know, discovering the synthwave scene and stuff. But every time I've seen, like, Dave Gaughan in interviews, he just seems boring. Like, I don't like watching interviews with people who are all introspective and who take their art too seriously. Like, I like fun people who just want to joke around the whole interview and stuff like that. So, maybe comedians. But then the tough part there is, I would be concerned with them not liking me. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm a fan of, like, uh, Bill Burr, for example. And I've seen, like, interviews go south with him when, like, he just doesn't like who's talking to him. (laughs) And it can be funny. Like, if it's funny, that's fine. But it would be weird afterwards. Just be like, oh, like I just got fucking roasted for a while or whatever. Anyway, I hope that answers your question. And I got a letter here from C. Dre. He was going to send me a voicemail, but he didn't like the way he sounded. He says, I'm a longtime listener of Beyond Synth. Found out about the podcast a few years late, but went through all the back catalog quickly. Wanted to remind you that I'm still waiting for you to play a song from an artist I recommended to you back in 2017. Love your shows and love you. P.S. Here's a code to unlock the music test in Donkey Kong Country so you won't have to play all the way till the water level. Just highlight Erase Game and press down A R B Y down A Y, then press Select. Well, guess what? You think I don't know about Darby Days, you fool? Back before the internet and before we had MP3s and the only way to listen to Aquatic Ambience was to do Darby Days and listen from the fucking start menu? Anyway. <laughs> But yes, thank you for supporting the show. And when you sent me this message, The Night, the group that you recommended I play a song for, I think you sent me that message in like 2018. And I did write them a letter saying like, hey, do you mind if I play uh, one of your songs? And then they just got back to me. Like the guy probably just never checks his Facebook. Uh, Got back to me like a month ago, which was literally like right around the time you wrote this message. It was hilarious. Anyways, so look, just for you, I will play you a track from The Night. Okay, that's uh, N-I-T-E. It's uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 club, we got Alex Selickson, Blake Peterson, and Eurobeat Intensifies. And this one's for you, a C. Dre. This is the night with wasted time. In brackets, forever young.
That was Wasted Time, in brackets, Forever Young, by The Night. 
recommended by a C. Dre, and brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Honeybeard, Jimmy the Hut, Johnny Five, and Kempson. All right, I got a letter here from Paul Melhaff. I think that's how you say that, M-E-H-L-H-A-F-F. How would you pronounce that, Mike? Malolf. <laughs> he says, uh, Dear Andy, greetings from Montana. Just heard your call out for more listener mail. So here's my contribution to help support Andy's deflated mail sack. I can't say enough how much Beyond Synth has lifted my spirits and introduced me to so many amazing artists. I do produce electronic music, but it's mostly ambient space music. If you like, check it out at cloudwalk.bandcamp.com. Do you like space music, Mike? Should, should we argue about the intricacies of what defines space music? I got all night. Hmm. Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the qualifier? Would you enjoy this music on your spacecraft? Well, I think it's like ambient space music I find useful to work to. Uh, he continues, However, I stumbled onto the Synthwave in 2015 when I was searching the web for podcasts about synthesizers themselves. You know, shows with nerds chatting about the finer points of Moogs and Korgs and stuff. And, of course, then your show popped up on the top of the Google search. My first thought was, what the hell is this? I didn't know what Synthwave was. I had been missing out on the whole scene. But your show introduced me to music I immediately fell in love with. Hey, Mike, what's something you immediately fell in love with? That pizza video, the Ashley, Kate, and Mary Olsen. I'm saying that wrong. That first time I saw it, <laughs> she was like, the finger licked it. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is my life. <laughs> this is my life in three minutes. <laughs> That's how I live. All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Dismissed. Spell it out for me, honeys. <laughs> P-I-Z-Z-A. And Beyond Synth has been a great companion over the years. I used to take long road trips for work across the rugged expanses of Montana and Wyoming, and your show was a great company on some lonely highways. Throughout the pandemic, Beyond Synth has evoked the feeling of hanging out with friends at a time we were all social distanced from friends. The family episodes are special for this. I feel like we all really get to Marco, Florence, and Mike. It's almost like you are all in the same room, hanging out, even though we know it's all over chat. I would like to hang out with um, more people in person. <laughs> <laughs> Note to listeners, we're recording these mic bits, I guess, moments before he falls asleep. I feel like you're going to like hit stop on the record and like fall, like do a face plant like family guy, like into a table. <laughs> uh, we're having fun. I also love that most of the synthwave artists are wonderful, everyday people we can all relate to. You really bring that out in guests. And most recently, I had to take a second job loading trucks at night. I just turned 50. Holy smokes. Happy birthday, dude. 50. How do you feel about that, Mike? Uh, play my jingle, the happy birthday one. I'm not singing it. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned 50, and the pace of my life has been the craziest it's ever been. To just pay off our bills, but hearing the fun of your show, and of course, awesome tunes, keeps me motivated and pumped for the work I have to do. All with a smile on my face and my favorite tunes running in my head. This is a great letter. I like that this letter is very complimentary to me. <laughs> and isn't that the... <laughs> 
And isn't that the cool thing about Synthwave? It makes us feel young and free. The only complaint I have about the show is that that twinkling synth sound at the end of the show sounds like the Ring doorbell app on my phone. So every time someone's at the door, I feel the urge to sing the Beyond Synth closing theme song. Well, thanks again, Andy. The show gets better and better, and I also get a big kick out of Andy's spaceship. Hopefully in the future, I can become one of your Pattersons and really help your show out. But in the meantime, I can at least give some support to your sagging mail sack. And that was from Paul. So thanks, Paul. Uh, you're a cool guy, and uh, I know it must be tough working all these fucking jobs. What's his name? Mahoff. M- uh, it's like Melhaff. Melhoff? Oh, Melhoff. M-E-H-L-H-A-F-F. Well, he said Patterson, and I've been listening to this word for like nine years now. I, it clicked in my head. Beyond SynthCon should be in Patterson, New Jersey. Where is Patterson, New Jersey? I don't know. Is it by the Secaucus Meadowlands? Secaucus. <laughs> That's one of those words. I just hate when there's words like it still drives me nuts to this day that cocking like, you know, cocking the bathroom like it's still called cock. And I know it's spelled differently, but it's like, come on, man, like we all change the word. And then also in in government, a caucus, you know, where this like, oh, they've they've arranged the caucus or whatever. I'm like, fuck off, like change the word. Like we're in the year fucking 2021, man. Like you say cock out loud. People are going to think one thing. Sometimes I say salmon instead of salmon. Yeah. What does that have to do with cock? I got nothing better to do. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to sleep well tonight. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's like... I feel like tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and be like, did I dream that that I recorded with Andy? <laughs> anyway, look, uh, Paul. Well, his letter was great and it sounded like an ad. It sounded like ad copy. So just take our thing and strip it down to 60 seconds and put it online and put some money behind it. It's like the perfect ad. I like your show. I discovered it. Andy Les, you're the coolest guy. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I just wanted to read this email in front of you just to prove that people like me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, look, we got to listen to a song. We got to listen to a song, all right? So uh, I got a cool one here from The Resonator. That's right. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 club, we got Ken Jeru, Mr. Magoo, Samurai, and Neverman. Now check this out. This is Internal Sanctum by The Resonator.
right, and that was The Resonator with Internal Sanctum. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. We got Newmark, Restless Nights, and Techno Ben. And I'm still here with Mike, and we got a voicemail from Boris. Hello, Andy. This is Boris from New Zealand with my poor impression of your radio voice. I've been listening to your show since episode 30, one by one. I'm slowly catching up. I am episode 187 now. This is one of the crazy family shows with Mike, Marco, and Florence. You crack up like an insane person when Mike does his voice impressions when inhaling air. There's no way I can do that. Uh, My small update is... I got married three days ago. I bought a property and I changed jobs all within three months since I started listening to your show. I think there is some connection there, but I'm not sure. Uh, One common thing between you and me is I don't know how to finish my speech. So goodbye. Have a good day. Bye. All right. Thanks, Boris. That was a cool message. And thanks for the... uh the kind words. Uh, so, Mike, Boris was talking about how in episode 187 there, you just heard him. He just he just finished listening to the episode where you were doing your robot voice, and I couldn't, like, stop laughing at it. <laughs> Did you know that Boris was an I spy? Yeah. <laughs> Boris Karloff. Andy. Andy, listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> Oh, this is weird. You sound like you're, like, uh, possessed by a demon there. <laughs> ah. Boris Karloff starred in I Spy in 1967. What's something you can read? Let's see. Three electric vehicle stocks to benefit from an EV boom. Analysts say bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, give, it, give us some fucking uh, Bitcoin tips with the robot voice. <laughs> If the S&P 500 breaks above this key level, <laughs> it could send off an epic emotional squeeze, not unlike 1999 strategist Warren. Wait, is that funny? It, what's funny is that I'm, I'm reading like emotionally clickbaity sounding. It's not informational. I'm like, oh my God, can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> Because as uh, as Boris mentioned there, ever since he started listening to this show, he got married three days ago, he got a new property, he changed jobs. Do you think that Beyond Synth is moving Boris's life forward for the better? I think Boris is probably leaning into the spy thing, and that's uh, just his cover. In your robot voice, please. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I just took a drink of water because I'm like, all right, Michael, go for a bit. <laughs> and you immediately go for the go fuck yourself. Uh. The bottom line is, uh, thanks for your message, Boris. You're a cool guy. I hope uh, you're enjoying New Zealand. Go visit Hobbiton. I heard it's nice. Welcome. What? <laughs> welcome to Moria. I don't know. I, I guess I'm from Moria. <laughs> but someone, no one says welcome to Moria, do they? Yeah, he goes... Uh, Gandalf goes, Belloc. Welcome to Moria. Welcome to Moria. Does he say welcome to Moria? No one says that. But if there's a line that's very similar. Maybe you need to go to bed. Anyway, whatever. AMC Entertainment shares are up in after hours after the movie theater company beat on the top and bottom line for second quarter. <laughs> Your robot voice is awesome. <laughs> 
I was worried you were gonna say it's terrible. That makes me proud of the letter. All right, look, let's uh, listen to another track. All right, I got a cool one here from D Noise, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Forged in Neon with the 2049, and in the $20 Club, there's Joshua Winter and Chatterack. And this is D Noise with Break My Heart. And that was D-Noise with Break My Heart, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, it looks like McGadfly has upgraded his support. 
That's right, McGadfly. McGadfly. It's like McFly, except there's a gad in there. And he is now in the donation of the Beast Club. That's right, the triple six. So thank you so much for supporting the show, McGadfly, and for upgrading your support. You're cool. So let's uh, read a letter here. Mike is gone, by the way. And I am going to read a letter from Stevie. What does Stevie have to say? Hey, Andy, I was dreaming about you recently. Don't worry, it wasn't a sexual dream? I think. I dreamt I was back in the UK at a nightclub with some Brighton friends, and then suddenly we were in Toronto playing classic video games at your place. You've gotta love dream logic. Anyway, you seemed keen on getting questions for your listener feedback show. Regrettably, I couldn't think of anything interesting to ask. So here's a boring video game question inspired by my dream. You're always banging on about Mortal Kombat and Goldeneye, but what are some of your other favorite games from the 80s and early 90s? And why? Cheers, Stevie, a.k.a. Caffeinated Pixels. Well, I remember when I was a kid, I really liked Bubble Bobble. Just the song was awesome. Uh, My next-door neighbor rented an NES. This was probably in 1985 or 80... No, was this 86? I think it was 86. And we had a a convenience store downtown called Becker's that rented Nintendos. You could rent a Nintendo for the weekend, I think it was. You'd get it for three days. No, I think you could rent video game consoles anytime. It's just when you were a kid, it just made the most sense to rent it on a weekend. Because I remember before... Before I owned a Super Nintendo, I rented a Super Nintendo, I think, two or three times, possibly, before I actually bought one. So when the Nintendo came out, I do remember being impressed by Bubble Bobble and the music and being impressed by the original Super Mario Brothers. I remember going to my neighbor's house, and it was, like, such a big deal that he rented the NES, and Mario looked like a cartoon, you know? And, then of course, now you look at it, and it's all pixelated and shit. My brother had a Commodore 64, and I loved the game Impossible Mission. I was terrible at it, but he did this awesome scream when he falls in the hole, and that scream is still one of my favorite screams of all time. It's so fucking good. Like, that to me should be the Wilhelm scream. I think we got to replace the Wilhelm scream in movies. It's got to be with Sully's scream from Commando when Arnold drops him off the cliff and the scream from Impossible Mission. Those are my two favorite. So that was uh, that was the thing I really... I liked Ghostbusters for the Commodore 64 because I love the Ghostbusters theme song and it plays it the whole time. And then there was also a voice sample in that one, the He Slimed Me. Yeah, there was a few games on Commodore 64 because I basically played whatever my brother had. Spy Hunter. There was a game called Call of the West, where you just like have conversations with people and then occasionally it ends in a shootout. Samantha Fox's Strip Poker. <laughs> Then my brother owned a TurboGrafx-16, and I really liked Bonk's Adventure, and I still do. Uh, The first two Bonk's Adventure games, and Bonk's Adventure 2 was the first game I ever beat myself. I remember that was a big deal, and nobody was home. It was like in the afternoon on a Saturday, it was cloudy, and I beat Bonk's Adventure 2, and I was like, hey man, like that's the first one I ever beat, so that was cool. I remember playing Keith Courage in Alpha Zones, because that was the game that came with the Turbo Graphics. I think for the first time on like Halloween, I still have a memory, it was like uh, one of those cool fall days, Halloween, and uh playing Keith Courage. Sonic I really enjoy, especially the music 
Uh, Tetris. Tetris is my favorite game. Tetris is in my top five games of all time. I love Tetris so much. Yeah, Tetris. Tetris is awesome. Yeah, that's a good enough answer, right? There was a game for Turbo Graphics called Bloody Wolf I always enjoyed. All right, anyway, there's there's a list for you. So it's not all Mortal Kombat up in here. Although. <laughs> Anytime that topic comes up, it does end up lasting for like 40 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's listen to some music. Got a cool one here from Low Poly Exception, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Waylon Caskey Geospatial with the 1988, COVID 1986 with the 1986, and in the 1985 club, we got Rachel Buchelman and Sarah Buchelman. And this is Low Poly Exception with another uneventful day. And that was Another Uneventful Day by Low Poly Exception. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Gene Creamer, Private Eye, Prophet of Jupiter, Mads Baron Christensen, Sky. 
Sky Wolf Retro Serenade, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Elia Lane. And uh, we've got another letter here. This one is from, who's this from? Johnny Five. And he says, I hope that all is well as possible with you and your family. I'm a little late in getting my submission in, but hopefully there's still time. Yes, there is. As always, I wanted to say thanks to you for all the hard work and time you put into the show. We never get enough credit or recognition for the passion projects in our life, but I hope the submissions you get for this show gives you a glimpse of how many people from around the world appreciate what you do. My question, I think we're allowed to ask one, is what would you be doing if you hadn't come up with the idea for the show and pursued it? Where would Andy be today without Synthwave? Again, many thanks for all that you do. Adam, a.k.a. Johnny Five. I think if I didn't do the podcast, one thing I would probably have some normal job somewhere, I'm assuming, and I would have done more videography work, so I probably would have put more effort into having a proper videography business because when I was doing videography and video editing and stuff before, most of my work was like specifically for just a few clients. So like there was like this charity organization that, you know, whenever they had an event, they would ask me to film it and stuff like that. But I never really advertised or had a company, you know, with like my name. Like I still just filed my taxes as me. Like I was never like Andy's video company, you know, so there would have been a point where I would have had to, you know, invest in the idea of making the company real. I also think as far as my artistic pursuits that I would have probably just gone the route of just making random YouTube videos. There's a YouTube guy, filmmaker called um, Joel Haver, and you've probably seen some of his stuff. He does these, uh, he makes like a little short film every week, and some of them are like quirky little conversations and stuff, and then some of them are these animations that are sort of like video game based, and he uses that one effect tool called, um, what the fuck is it called again? Anyway, it's the thing where you basically you take one still image from your video and then you draw on top of it like a cartoon and then the algorithm of the program sort of animates the drawing to match the motion of the video and it creates a very trippy looking effect and the reason why I bring him up specifically is because he's doing what I would have loved to do and I'm glad he's gotten recognition and a lot of people watch his videos because it's just basically it's like fun creative every week just doing a new short film experimenting and just having fun and they're just kind of silly and uh, I like that I'm sort of envious of what he's doing because that that would have been a path that I would have liked to do. Every week, just make a fun video. You get your friends together. Keep it on a schedule so that every week you got to release something. And so it means like some of them are duds, but then, you know, you get some fucking gold in there. And I like quirky, fun videos with a sense of humor that definitely comes from like people who are passionate about making movies and stuff. I like the little narratives and things. And so I think that's what I would have done. I probably would have had a videography business. I maybe would have ended up like merging because I do have like friends who do videography and stuff. And, you know, there would have been a point where I would have been compelled by the people in my life to go like, Andy, like, you got to figure something out here, you know, like, don't you have friends who work in uh, film? Maybe they can get you a job. You know, it'd be like that. I've got friends who work in VFX houses uh, in Toronto, uh, visual effects things for cinema and stuff. And so, you know, there's a possibility that if a few more years had passed, I would have been like, hey, guys, you think you can like 
I don't know, like maybe get me like an internship at one of these places or something. Like, I feel like that's what would have happened. So I hope that answers your question, Johnny Five. And now let's listen to a cool track from Stan Duclair, which is uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $10 Club, Fraser Davidson, Albion Algorithm, and Andrew Bennon. Uh, I hope you dig this. This is Stan Duclair with Purpose. by Stan Duclair. Yeah, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $10 Club, Barry007, Blonde John, Energon Cubes, Ivan, and Jacob Pringle. Or just Pringle, I guess, as we uh, learned last week. And uh, speaking of last week, we teased this. Uh, I've got Michael Oakley back here to do the listener Q&A from my Discord. So, I'm here now with Michael Oakley. All right, let me stretch my brain. Let me stretch my brain for this. It's like... <sighs> okay. 
I'm so anxiously anticipating these crazy questions that I'm just like, oh God, what is it? Go- what is it going to be? You know, that saying that uh, you can take the boy out of Discord, but you can't take the Discord out of the boy. Well, in this case, you can't get the good questions from the Discord because these were all garbage, and that's why I didn't uh, get around to asking you them in person. But since this show is nonsense and I need to fill time, yeah, I'm going to go. So this was uh, who the hell fucking wrote this? Qu- this was a question written from someone called Fake, and this was. Uh, uh, these were questions from Michael Oakley. Okay. And the question is, who got in touch with who? You. <laughs> <laughs> Me. All right. Big Baby D. This is a question from Big Baby D. He says, if you could collaborate with any 80s artist, dead or alive, who would it be? Pete Barnes. Was, sorry, was that a rim shot? What was that sound you did? The band aren't really getting paid a lot of money, so we've, we've had to make do with what we've got. That was that was my mouth drummer. <laughs> do you have a why? Why, why, why? No, I mean, why? <laughs> I mean, explain your answer. <laughs> well, it was a play on Dead or Alive, but if I could really genuinely do something like with somebody Dead or Alive, it would probably be George Michael, without a doubt love George Michael he's my hero so I think I could get away with just calling the whole the whole duet George Michael Oakley actually that would be pretty awesome see tell us in the comments vote now A or B alright next question this is from Knight of Ducks <laughs> he says hamburgers or hot dogs hamburgers yeah me too I hate hot dogs hot dogs are just pieces of shit I mean they, they literally are like horrible fucking things they are horrible hamburgers all the way I don't mind hot dogs but hamburgers are the pinnacle I mean hamburgers are my favorite food period I tell you what else is annoying about hot dogs so how is it that you end up with a hot dog is like a third of the whole thing and the other two thirds is the bread you're just like ugh just having like a mouthful of bread here that the hot dog's in you should uh, you should wrap it in a uh, like a wrap wrap it in a wrap mm. Mm. <laughs> denied this one's from Tenshi okay. he says I only got stupid questions number one what's it like being Scottish um it has its moments it's good when you're abroad because like people in other countries love Scottish people so whenever I speak it's like oh where, where's your accent from and I'm like uh, same place I'm from yeah that's, yeah exactly <laughs> so it's good in that respect How, however you know like it's like anything when you're when you live where you live it's just it's the same as anything really it's just average so yeah it's fun it's fun being a foreigner abroad I think that's because people you sort of draw more attention to yourself and you don't even realize that you're doing it just by fault of talking you know what I mean number two he had two questions he says Mm -hmm. have you been Americanized which I'm going to take exception to because you're in Canada Uh, have you been Americanized and drink your whiskey on the rocks if not what's your favorite whiskey yeah I know I know what he means by that I would probably say I have uh, to a certain degree and that's only only because it's the only way for me to fit in. So, you know, certain words that I would have used back home, I no longer use. I've had to change those words for people to understand me here and for me to fit in. You know, I mentioned this on the show that I was on with you and Marco. You know, I, I don't call, it's not the trunk of the car back home, it's called the boot. Yeah. You know, things like that and, you know, just things like degrees and Fahrenheit, centigrade, like it's, it's certain things like that. And I, you know, I don't talk about miles 
per hour. It's kilometers mm. per hour here. You know, things like that. So, I've, you know, you've had to change to adapt. Um, what was the second part of that of that question? Have I been Americanized and drink your whiskey on the rocks? And if not, what's your favorite whiskey? Yeah, my favorite drink. I guess you could call it sort of a whiskey. It's kind of more like a whiskey liqueur. It's called Disarono. You get that over here. That's my favorite drink, and I do like that with two ice cubes in it. So I took my whiskey on the rocks anyway mm. before coming over here. Yeah, I think that's one of the few whiskeys I remember being advertised. Mm. There was an ad campaign over here for a while where it's just disarono on the rocks and uh yeah that was it okay here's a question from pud nuts <laughs> pineapple on pizza yes or no absolutely not absolutely not same goes for mushrooms no way never you know i've just been informed that the pineapple on pizza was a canadian invention of some greek guy in canada or something the plot thickens hmm. <laughs> yeah i like pineapple but i don't i don't like warm pineapple it just doesn't feel right do you know what i mean i don't like many warm fruits if any no even even like apple pie like I'd, I'd rather eat a fresh apple than apple pie that's probably the most tolerable yeah i mean i think pie can sometimes be a little different it's funny how just that one stupid thing with the pastry makes it like oh it's okay whereas if it didn't you'd be like oh that's hot that's gross get that away from me like i love peach pie and i do like apple pie or like a crumble type thing but would i like a warm apple no just the thought of it is so gross the the mush okay look we gotta listen to a song and we'll come back with more michael oakley answering questions so here's a song from midnight lovers uh brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters in the ten dollar club we're talking about john masari knight of ducks and kudzast i hope you dig this this is midnight lovers with like a kid's game
All right, and that was Like a Kid's Game by Midnight Lovers, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 Club, awesome people like Lucas Smith, Luke Jackson, Matthew Lister, Monkey Magics, and Mystic Dink. Hey, we just listened to some Brandon. That's Luke Jackson. So there you go. See, it all it all ties together. And we're back with the Michael Oakley doing a Q&A. The Q&A we never got around to. It's all very exciting. Pudnuts had a second question for you. <laughs> Okay. He says, how do you feel about Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone versus Dredd with Carl Urban? Mm, I, I prefer Stallone. Yeah, I think Stallone for sure. Yeah, we were watching The Expendables last night, the first one. Mm. And it's amazing how even outdated it was then when it came out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Old action sort of movie. It's tough, right? Because The Expendables, in principle, is awesome. Mm. But I don't think any of them were really executed very well. Yeah. They didn't really capture the magic of 80s action. Just Because I, I think the premise was just by virtue of, well, if we have all these 80s action stars in the movie, then it'll be like an 80s action film. But it didn't feel like an 80s action film. No. And it's got all the digital blood hits and all that shit, which just makes it look so cheap. It felt cobbled together. You know, there was a lot of cute lines, and it was very predictable. My wife actually pointed out, why is it that everybody that's like a, a, a new cast member has some kind of big entrance? Arnold Schwarzenegger opens the door, there's this big heavenly light behind him and he walks in. Then when the girl that's the general's daughter walks in, it's like a big slow motion dramatic entrance and it's like all of them have seem to have that when they, when they appear and it just felt a little bit uh, well, that that's the problem I have sometimes when we start to mythologize our nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if the movie actually just took itself seriously, and it's just like a bunch of old grizzled people have to come back together to do a mission or something, it would have been fine. But it was really made with this lens of, like, people are going to love seeing Stallone, so we're going to play this fucking rock music, and he's going to show up. And it's like, had they just been playing real characters... And they just made a serious action film with them in it. It would have been so much better. Like the whole movie is just like a wink to the audience. Mm. And it just fails. Because what makes the 80s action movies awesome is that they aren't really ironic movies. Mm. When you watch Commando, like at the time, it wasn't like a joke. It was like, here's a serious action movie. Yeah. See, since all of those kind of action guys have sort of came back. Even Schwarzenegger, when he finished his term as governor and decided to start doing some movies, the best movie from that post-period out of all of them is Escape Plan, the one with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. You've seen that one? No, I haven't. That's the one in the prison, right? Yeah, it's a really good movie, really well-written script. The dialogue isn't contrived. It's nice pacing to the movie as well. It just feels... Like, you believe it. You know, the the script as well, the story about how Stallone is like a prison-contracted designer. His job is to make a prison inescapable so that nobody can escape it. And how he does that is he goes, he gets put into a prison as, like, a pretend prisoner, and then he escapes from the prison. And then that's he finds how to escape from the prison, and then, then he goes back and he gets paid a lot of money to, like, show them where the flaw is in the prisons so that the prison is unbreachable. Anyway, so the movie is kind of about that and how one of the times when he gets put in, they don't let him out. They don't let him out when he gives the code word and he does actually have to find a way to escape. And that he sort of teams up with Schwarzenegger, of course. Um, it's a brilliant film, well put together. Why don't they... Uh, I, was, <laughs> I, was looking, I was just about to ask you more plot information. 
I'm like, now I'm interested. I'm like, I'm sure people are going to love a five minute recount of the plot of <laughs> fucking Escape Plan. Yeah, this is why Michael Oakley's on the show. It's good. I think it's on Netflix. I'm sure we watched it on Netflix. Yeah, it's a good movie. Isn't there a sequel? Yeah, I think there's a third one on its way. Unfortunately, but whatever. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of these, a lot of these movies, even the ones that Schwarzenegger's done, they're pretty terrible. It's almost like he went with the first company that sort of approached him to say, "Hey, man, we'd love to." We'd love to do some movies and uh, he's like yeah okay and took the money and just terrible movies yeah there hasn't been too much lately that i've been that excited about with uh, with these guys i mean i did watch all three expendables i think i think the second one was okay the better of them all yeah like it was fine yeah is that the one with mel gibson that's a good question was he the bad guy in the th- no i think he's the bad guy in the third one oh. i think the bad guy in the second one is jean-claude van damme right okay and that's the one where like chuck norris does like the cameo <laughs> in the second one where he shows up with the machine guns and looks like a doll because of all the weird surgery he's had to his face and uh, as far as i'm concerned i did actually really endo- enjoy dread the the carl urban one but it was basically i saw it so close to the raid and it's the exact same formula as the raid and i think the raid had cooler action mm-hmm. so uh, anyway whatever look the point is this we gotta listen to another song and then we'll be back here asking more questions to michael oakley so here is a cool song from your sister is a werewolf brought to you by my awesome patrons in the ten dollar club poly digital pud nuts rama branch skunk raider and slade this is Your sister is a werewolf with Drenched in Blue.
right, that was Drenched in Blue by Your Sister is a Werewolf. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. Awesome people like Thomas Berg, Tristan Waits, Watch Clark, Willow, your friend Estevez, Gary Heather, and Stu Triple the M. All right, and we're back, and Michael Oakley is still here answering the Q&A questions from my Discord. Artificial wants to... (laughs) Oh no, if you're, la- if you're laughing already, it's bad. Well, you know, this is a classic uh, question. Michael Oakley, is Synthwave dead? Oh, do we really want to go there? <laughs> oh, God. That's a long... That's a question with so many levels now uh, that it would take me half an hour to get into it. So the answer is yes and no. Look at you, you sneaky guy. And for a more definitive answer, please read the Iron Skullet article from... When the hell was that? Two years ago. Uh, Neverman wants to know, Rangers or Celtic? More Rangers, definitely. I grew up as a as a Rangers fan, but I kind of fell out of love with Scottish football, to be honest, just because there's a lot of trouble in my country because of it, so I, I, I kind of fell away from it. What does that mean? Like the hooligans? Yeah, it's probably, probably the biggest rivalry between two football clubs in the world is, is Rangers and Celtic. Yeah, to the point they had to change the uh, kickoff times for Rangers and Celtic games to like 12 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday to make sure that it avoids people drinking alcohol and they can control it and they have to have the police out to sort of make sure that the uh, two teams leave opposite exits and there's a planned route to get all of those fans separated from each other and diverted away to where they're going. That's how bad it is. <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. The, the, yeah. That's the cliché is Scottish soccer hooligans, right? Like, that's like the... The thing? Uh, no, that's more as English hooligans. Wasn't there like a character on a show or something that was like Scottish soccer hooligans? <laughs> Did Mike Myers do a Scottish <laughs> soccer hooligans character on SNL or something? Like, I feel like that was a thing. Yeah, I would have thought we'd a we'd a good we'd a good reputation because uh, we're always fun and whatnot. Where unfortunately, it seems to be a small minority of English hooligans that when they are over, they just they give such a bad name to all of the good people. People that go to those games, you know, just by they get they get drunk and they just do stupid stuff, and that's what the media focuses on. But yeah, I'm more of a Rangers fan for sure. I'm more of a Rangers fan. Monkey Magics wants to know: We all know the motions for a regular wave and Mexican wave, but how do you do a synth wave? I suppose as long as you've got a poly six bass on it, then you're fine, aren't you? I don't get this one. His second question is, Donald, where's your trousers? In my closet. Does that mean something to you? In my closet. Who's Donald? He's the everyman. Is this from a television show? What is this? It's a well-known song, Donald, where's your trousers? Donald, where's your trousers? (laughs) All the lassies say, hello, Donald, where's your trousers? Three, what is the best battered food? (sighs) We have to say fish. Yeah, I, I love fish and chips. Over here, I must—I have to say—I've been a little disappointed because it's not the same quality of, I guess, what you could call pub grub hmm. that you'd get back home. Fish and chips is—you know—they're much better back home. Same with Indian food as well. Indian food in Scotland and probably the UK, I would say, is renowned for being incredible. Whereas over here, so far, I've been very disappointed with the uh, quality of Indian food that you can get here. Where do you? go because i know you're in sort of uh like niagara region right so like is there any indian mm. places there or do you have to go to toronto like or a, a bigger 
Hub. Do you know, I must say, I'm probably biased because when I first arrived here, right, I had told my wife, oh, I love Indian food. So she had got a recommendation from somebody that she knows and we'd all arranged to go out and have Indian food. So we arrived at this like hotel slash, like small hotel slash restaurant, right? So we <laughs> we walked in the door, right? And this guy was at the reception and he greeted us and he's like, hey, how are you? And I was like, yeah, good. We're here. We're here for uh, Indian food. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, if you just go through that door there, get you seated in there. And so just go through the doors, you'll be sorted out, right? So we walked through the doors and I swear to God, not a word of a lie, the same guy walked out of another door with a fucking like chef's apron on. Hey, okay, guys, <laughs> let me get you seated. <laughs> it was like the same guy who was working at reception who walked through and was and was also the chef. And I was just like, oh no, I've got a bad feeling about this. This doesn't feel right. <laughs> it's like fucking faulty towers. It was. It was absolutely like that. And I was just like, oh my god, the experience was good for the laughs because I'd never laughed so much. Like I, I, I laughed a lot that night. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started telling us stories about how he'd been trained for years by some really well-known Indian chef and that he knew what he was doing and then when the food came out it was like it had been microwaved you know what I mean it just it was literally like microwavable Indian food or something like that and we're like this is shit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was that was bad. But I, I yeah, I've yet to find a really great Indian restaurant. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't I don't often eat Indian food, although I did make some curry the other day. Mm. I, I went and followed a, a chicken curry recipe and it was pretty good. Did you just make it yourself? No, I like to go out I'm I'm a bit of a foodie. I like to go out for food. Yeah. yeah. If I'm if I'm like you know, going out for something specialized like that. That's the thing about curry, man. Like, I really do. I like chicken curry, like in meat curries and stuff with rice, mm-hmm. but it really is potent, like the smell of it. If I were making curry on a regular basis, I would get myself like a hot plate and actually cook it outside. Uh-huh. Like, just have like the, you know, the pot and stuff and then bring the food in. Yeah. Because it's so crazy. Like, some of those spices, uh-huh. like, I know this is like a cliche with like with Indian food, but it really is. Like, the second you start boiling like cumin and turmeric and stuff, your whole house just fucking smells it like it coats the walls it's crazy it's very potent especially when it's spicy i think that's the thing as well you know you can go for southern indian which is generally kind of it's a much hotter more zesty sort of taste to it as well which is really nice i'm i just i love indian food i'm going to go back to scotland later this year so that's on my list is to go for a few curries when i go back Um, okay, you know. well listen, let's uh, listen to one more track and then we'll finish this Q&A, man. We just got a few questions left. Mm-hmm. So here's one from Dallas Campbell. I haven't listened to a track from Dallas Campbell in a while. So this is one I dig. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Dub Evans, IP68, Binkley, and Zach. And this is Dallas Campbell with Expanding in Voids.
right, that was Expanding in Voids by Dallas Campbell. And that was brought to you by my awesome PayPals. I just have to say that Jimmy Groon, an awesome PayPal, has upgraded his support. So Jimmy Groon is now in the $10 PayPal club. Should we have PayPal clubs? Anyway, the point is this. Jimmy Groon is a cool guy. So you know the old saying, you got to get on board with Groon or get out. That's what I've always said. So thank you, uh, Jimmy Groon, for supporting the show. And thank you for upgrading your support. You are a cool guy. And uh, we're back with Michael Oakley. And we're going to finish off this stupid Q&A, which is the premise of this whole section of the show. Stupid Q&A. So... Uh, Tim Carlton wants to know, mm-hmm. is Andy the most exotic interviewer you've had this year? Definitely. A hundred percent. Without a doubt. Rachel Buchelman wants to know, is Andy the most erotic interviewer you've had this year? Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. A hundred percent. Next. Zach wants to know, do you wear Oakley sunglasses unironically? No. I don't wear Oakley sunglasses. I uh, I wear Ray-Bans. However, I remember my wife said to me, this is almost turning into my wife stories for this entire thing, mm. but uh, I, remember, I remember my wife had said to me, have you ever thought about reaching out and contacting Oakley? sunglasses because like your name's Oakley that's 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 a rarity so I was like that's not a bad idea and I thought you know I do not just even for a laugh it'd be quite amusing just to email her so I found out who the contact was I emailed and sent in this long email explaining why you know embellished that I liked her sunglasses and stuff you know as you do mm. and uh, sent them my music right and give them this long description just to try and obviously see if they would give me like a, I don't know like a sponsorship is that what you call it like to sort of yeah, yeah. endorse all because my last all because my last name's Oakley Mm. and uh, you'll never guess what they said (laughs) what are my options well nothing because they didn't fucking reply to me (laughs) the end well then I would have been wrong (laughs) my guess was going to be no still waiting for my fucking Oakley frog skins one of my good friends used to collect Oakleys for some reason (laughs) but they were all like the same shape they had that particular he bought like a fucking cabinet and everything to display his Oakleys and the kind of shape they were I know whenever I put on Oakleys it made me laugh like I'd put them on and be like oh I'm in the fucking matrix like these weird like future glasses Mm -hmm. and I just used to find them really funny and I feel like they would look funny on you unless Oakley makes different frames I don't really know anything about that company other than the particular glasses my friend used to collect and they were all the same frames they all looked exactly the same and he was talking about the value of them and how you can resell them for profit and I'm like what the fuck well you start buying those types of sunglasses you feel like you need to buy a ram truck or something like that to get away with wearing them into it it's like <laughs> go or you go snowboarding like they've got a very particular look that evokes a certain type I've always been drawn to uh, Ray-Ban Wayfarers I don't really like aviators although I know a lot of people that like them and the only other ones that I maybe like is the Clubmaster although I don't own a pair but I've got two pairs of Ray-Ban Wayfarers I've got a, a black pair and I've got my brown sort of tortoise ones that I wore for the introspect cover and kind of during that period but I, I did buy a new pair recently actually black ones for that live show that you were at but yeah I might grab a little pair of Clubmasters I don't know I do quite like them I feel like I have some aviators that I feel like your wife gave me is that correct? I'm trying to remember here she had like this old yeah. pair and she's just like oh they look good on you yeah, and that's, then... that's quite yeah yeah that's quite uh, do you know what that's actually probably quite true <laughs> she just got like a box of aviators yeah. <laughs> just like 
<laughs> Give it away. Because they, they looked okay on my face, the shape of them. Tim Carlton wants to know, out of all the Charlie's Angels, who is your favorite? Uh, either Farrah Fawcett or... I don't actually know the names of the Angels. Yeah, Farrah Fawcett was the most famous one. Yeah, probably Farrah Fawcett. She was such a beautiful woman. Sad, actually. Slade wants to know, what's your favorite board game? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> the first one. I love DC deck building. What? You know, the, the Batman, Superman, DC deck building game? No. Um, I also love a, I also love a board game called Zombies as well, um, where you basically have to make it to the helicopter in one piece. DC deck building? Yeah, it's like a card game. Do card games count as board games? Yeah, I would think so. The, I'm happy to put it under that umbrella because... You know, you need to sit with, like, your table. It's like a board and put your cards down on it. So, you know. Well, okay, if it's a card game, DC deck building. If it's a board game, then it's going to be Zombies, the board game. Is Zombies new? No, it's been out for about 20 years. 2001 it came out, yeah. It's Hmm. a great game. You would really like that game, actually. It's such a fun game to play. Yeah, I usually fall back on the classics. I enjoy, you know, like, uh, Monopoly, Monopoly, I just called it. <laughs> Fuck, all right, I'm done. Mm. Uh, one last question. This is from Mataconda. He wants to know, what is the best episode of Miami Vice, and why is it Out Where the Buses Don't Run? <laughs> Out Where the Buses Don't Run is on par with definitely Miami episode for the two best I don't think there's one best episode it's two and for very different reasons definitely Miami is everything that you love about Miami Vice and and all the best bits of it in one episode and uh, it's just it's a fantastic episode whereas out where the buses don't run is just genius writing because you don't understand what's happening until the very end and then it all makes sense and when you have that moment of realization you're like oh so they're two very different episodes but out where the buses don't run is a fantastic episode it's um i remember the very first time i ever saw that episode i was just blown away by the writing and the performance of bruce gill as the ex uh, detective who used to work but had been in a mental institution and sort of was back with information on a previous missing gangster it's a fantastic episode. What season is that from? Out Where the Buses Don't Run is season two. It's a phenomenal episode. You should watch it. I still have your blu You should watch it. <laughs> yeah, watch, watch, you know what? Watch that episode. Watch that episode. And also watch an episode called Definitely Miami from season two. Okay. For me personally, because I'm a big, you know, classic Doctor Who fan, but like my favorite episode is one that's like very, very different than all the other ones that sort of surround it. Yeah. So like... Are these particular episodes, do you find like it just feels like just it's just a good episode of Miami Vice or do they actually have like a different kind of style to them or something unique? No, I think what it is is that everything is on point in the episode. That's the thing. The writing's on point. The acting's on point. The editing of the pacing of it all is on point. Just everything is on point. It's, it's like that with anything. You know how like X-Files has a few of those episodes as well that you think, oh, that was a great episode. And the other episodes have a similar vibe, but just everything seems to come together and be working in this episode at its very best. A lot of it's to do with the cameo of the co-star as well, I think, in these in these shows. Right. You know, the right actor at the right, right time. All right, man. Well, 
look, listen, that's the end of this fucking thing. So thanks for uh, for joining me and answering these these questions. Mm. When, when do you plan on releasing the uh, performance? At this point in time, it's going to be the 28th of September. September. Okay, so in yes. that case, yeah. uh, anyone listening, because this will air before then, so uh, stay tuned to Mike's... Uh, I don't, I've never called you Mike. Do people call you Mike? No. no. You're a Michael all the time, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a Michael. Yeah, okay. Uh... <laughs> Now I'm just going to call you Mike again. Uh, stay tuned to uh, to Michael's uh, social media post so you can uh, uh, find out all the details on how to watch that because it's going to be a streaming uh, performance thing. And I was there while you filmed it, and uh, it looked really good. You had a lot of uh, extra people there on stage with you singing and doing sax and mm. backups and all this stuff, and it looked great. And and uh, so I look forward to seeing it, and everyone should go check that out. It'll probably be in a, about a month from now. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. It's been a lot of work, a lot of work put in, and um, the show's being edited and cut right now. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it's probably the biggest thing I've ever done. Cool, man. Well, I look uh, I look forward to seeing it, and I hope you have a lovely day and enjoy spending the next month editing it. Indeed. No, thank you for having me on for these crazy questions. <laughs> Dum dum dum. In my line of work, once it's at, we're at episode like two hundred and ninety three. So like at this point in time, anything to kill a few minutes is uh, what I need to do. Not to say that I don't appreciate you coming on the show. It's very kind of you. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I love just suck the energy completely out of the room. All right, man. Peace out. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you. I'll see you again. All right, that was the Michael Oakley Q&A bit, and uh, we're going to listen to some music now from Pattern Shift. This is a cool one. It's brought to you by my awesome PayPals. There's Upgrade Jimpy, the king of the PayPals. Then there's Austin Whetstone, Jimmy Groon, like we mentioned earlier, the Ross Conian, Brandon Morin, Ross Bruce, and Digital Dreams. I hope you dig this. This is Pattern Shift with Hypermorphic.
And that was Hypermorphic by Pattern Shift. That's a cool song. And that was brought to you by my awesome PayPals. We got Gustav Velichek. Did I say Digital Dreams already? We got Dan Williams, Felix Borselman, Russell Nyes, Timothy Warwick, and Jersey. So thank you so much for your support. I got a question here from Cenotaph. Here it is. All right, Andy La. How's it going? Hope it's good. All them pleasantries out the way. I have a question. And here is that question. Have you... Or have you ever considered releasing music yourself under a pseudonym? Pseudonym. Pseudonym. I don't know how the fuck you say it, but that word, you know what I mean? Like a fake name, a ghostwriter, ghost artist. You know what I mean? Because I noticed, I think it was a couple of years ago, you did it for a female artist. I can't remember who it was, but the music that you did fitted the vocals fucking great. But then... You haven't done anything since that we know of. So, have you ever done it under a different name, but not told us about it? Uh, cheers, Andy. Uh, thanks very much. Also, actually, there's one more thing. On the last family show, when you were reading out the names of all the Pattersons, I am a six, six, motherfucking six. But, you put me in the riffraff. Underneath that, I don't know if it's a currency conversion or what, but I pay my 666, I suckle from Satan's tit. That beautiful red milk, it burns my mouth, but I don't care because I'm Satan till I die. So, what was the problem? Do you need me to pay some more? Let me know. All the best, Andy, mate. Love you. Satan. Well, to answer your questions in reverse order, yes, I need you to donate a lot more. Like my awesome mystery donor. He's my favorite now. <laughs> Although, it's funny, because I was talking to another creator who has a Patreon account, and now I'm concerned that maybe this guy just put a decimal in the wrong place. So, I do really want that mystery donor to email me, because if you meant to put a decimal in a different place, please let me know. Because <laughs> or else I'm going to spend this money. So, the reason why you don't show up in the Donation of the Beast is because when I sort my list for reading every week, I don't sort it by the group. So on Patreon, you donate a certain amount of money to be on Synth, and then you choose what tier you want to be in. And if you choose not to be in a tier, and not accept the rewards in quotes, then you don't show up in the tier. So for example, Chris Dance, to name drop one of my awesome patrons, even though he's one of the kings of the Pattersons, he isn't in the Knights of Synth category, right? He's just not in a category. So... The problem is, if I sorted it by the categories, his name would show up at the bottom of the list. So I have to sort it by the donation amount. Because I can't put you in a category, you have to do it manually. So that's the reason. If it was all automatic, like if you donated $5 and then Patreon automatically put you in the $5 club, it wouldn't be an issue. But Patreon doesn't do that. And just today, I thought, I wonder if I can manually just put people into the different tiers and I can't. It has to be done by the actual patron because some people, they they might choose to donate a lot of money and say, look, I don't want any rewards. I just want to give you money. Uh, those people are cool, by the way. And I'm not allowed to put them in a category against their will. Okay, so that's why. Now, about the music thing, there's been lots of times where I've wanted to put out some music. So I do, I've used FL Studio back when it was called Fruity Loops back in high school, and that's my favorite one to use. And I do make songs all the time. They're just not good enough. Now, I have considered making like a joke album. If you've listened to the show, you know I've played 
tracks I've made before. I had considered at one point releasing like an EP as Neon Nightman and then just release the Neon Nightman tracks. There's a few projects I want to do, if I'm being completely honest with you. And the only reason why I'm going to talk about them publicly now is because I don't think I'm ever going to have time to work on them. Is I want to do a 90s throwback Eurodance album. I even approached the singer three years ago because I thought like, oh, this will be a fun side project. We'll do this Eurodance album. Uh, like make it like 90s dance music and and then it just never went anywhere and I've also wanted to do an album I talk about this a bit on the next family show when Mike and I aren't yelling at each other where I think it'd be a fun idea to do an album of covers of songs you don't like everyone covers songs they love I want to hear people cover songs they don't like and I started working on uh, Jacob Wick will appreciate this because I was going to do it for Jacob Wick I started making a... (laughs) an electronic version of Closing Time because I that song drives me nuts. I thought, wonder if I can make an electronic version of this song and do some weird things with it or whatever. And uh, I started that, didn't finish it. But to give you an idea, yeah, like I always fiddle around. Like there's always times where if I have a little bit of free time, I just sort of mess around with FL Studio, just make a little bass line or whatever. But I, I don't have any immediate plans to make or release any music. Uh, anyway, so thanks for the question, dude. All right. So let's listen to some cool music, some actual cool music. Uh, here's one from Paradise Walk from the Retro Drive soundtrack. This is Shotgun by Paradise Walk.
right, that was Paradise Walk with the track Shotgun. And that was brought to you by my awesome patrons and the donation of the Beast Club, the Triple Six. We're talking about David Lavalle Jr., Electromechanic Evan Allen, Franz Varga, Jean-Christophe Leconte, and Joe Esposito. And I got an audio question here from Rama. Hello, Andrew. Rama here, sending you this message. Delayed though, I hope it makes it in. If not, all good. First of all, thank you once again for your show, for everything you do. Uh, I don't know if you realize how good is the product you make, even though you choke all the time about it, being terrible and all that. I think deep down, you know, it's not true. And the people that support you should be a very good tell of the great work you do. I love how you keep Beyond Synth and Andy Spaceship light and fun in these times where everything is political, everything is about COVID, everything is about a secret agenda from the lizard people. It's great to have an escape from all that, and I hope it stays that way. I think that knowing what you do is going to stay that way, so thanks in advance for that. My question uh, and the reason why I send this audio message is because you talk all the time about how you turned your house into Beyond Synth and Andy's spaceship studio and how you turn your living room into Andy's spaceship and how you record during uh, the times where the kids are asleep. And you talk about all that. And the only thing I can think about is how does your family feel about living inside this studio? Like, are they supportive? Every time you start pulling the stuff to make Andy Spaceship, your wife goes like, oh, no, not again, please. Or it's more like uh, they are helping, they are happy to be immersed in this TV show. Or, or how does it work with your family? I hope it's not too personal. I hope you you answer because it's something that I always wondered every time you talk about that. So yeah, once again, thanks a lot for what you do. Congratulations on many episodes you've done and hope that many more come in the future. And yeah, that's basically thanks again and have a great one. Bye-bye. All right, Rama. Well, here, uh, I'm just going to throw this question to my wife and see how she feels about all this. Living the dream. (laughs) Living the dream? Yep. I've turned part of this room into a spaceship. Balls. Yeah, living the dream. You said that already. Yeah. Listen, Rama had a serious question here. Rama, we're living the dream. So when I started putting a spaceship in here and a talk show set on the other side of the room, what was your immediate reaction? Yep, living the dream. Okay, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck's sakes. Give me this. Well, you heard it here, folks, man. My wife is living the dream. But seriously, though, dude, thanks for the message. I think what it is, honestly, it's just my personality, is I've always disliked it when people talk about themselves like they're great or like how important their work is and stuff. And so, yeah, like even though I know I put in a ton of hours into this show and people send me nice messages and stuff, I just think it's more entertaining to downplay everything. And that way, when everything goes to shit, I can be like, hey guys, I told you, I told you it sucked, you know. But I'm glad you enjoyed the show, and uh, it is my intention to keep things kind of light and silly. I do have some weird plans for Andy's spaceship that might be kind of surprising and weird for people, but I'm going to keep the real world out of it as much as possible. Because, <laughs> hey man, the real world can be a real shitty and annoying place. And so I'm happy that I can provide an escape for you. I do think about that from time to time, if that's a valuable goal. 
Because for me, the content I watch and listen to tends to be stuff that focuses on like the problems in the world, but also solutions, things we should be doing, you know, in terms of uh, the environment and, and other things like that. And I also listen to comedy shows. It's mostly like programs hosted by comedians or science stuff is what I listen to personally, but it's not necessarily what I make. But I guess I do listen to some shows that are fluff. Is this fluff? I guess I make fluff. <laughs> fluff you. Anyway, the point is this, okay? Rama, thank you for uh, your your lovely words. I actually did laugh quite a bit when I was listening to your message. And I'm glad to know that it is Rama, because I always uh, got confused. But count on me to forget about that next week, which is exactly what will happen, because that's the kind of guy I am. So I think we got one more voice message here. And uh, I want to listen to a song, and then we will listen to that. So this is a track from Player One, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters with the donation of the Beast, the Triple Six. We're talking about a bash pudding, Adam Conway, Akio Nakasone, Betadine, Big Baby D, Boris, and Caffeinated Pixels. And this is Player One with Polaris.
And that was Polaris or Polaris. Do people say Polaris? Polaris. Super Mario. Uh, that was Player One with the track Polaris. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Triple Six Club. We got Cat Punk. Some dude called Cenotaph. Whoever the hell that is. We got Christian Quello, aka Warlock, and Dalton Bell. All right, and I think we got the last voice message here from Leanne. So let's listen to that. Hey, Andy. Leanne here. I'm a huge fan of the show. I thought it would be fun to ask a question that I was asked recently, and I thought it was quite a cool question. So here we go. If you were given an unlimited amount of money to recreate a movie or a game that you wanted, what would that be? I uh, know this could be absolutely anything. Maybe it's a movie or a game that was great at the time, but maybe you'd like to remake it because maybe the effects are better or maybe there's an actor that you really like now. Or, oh, I mean, it could be a movie that was absolutely rubbish and absolute bilge and maybe you thought the concept was really good, but it just wasn't executed as well as it could have been. So, yeah, that's my question. Keep doing what you're doing and have a great day. Bye. All right. Thanks, Leanne. Let me think here. You should go check out uh, Leanne's uh, artwork. She does sort of children's book illustration style with paints and things. And one of these days, if I ever edit the Beyond Synth D&D episode, I'm going to have her do the artwork. Okay. If I could remake anything... Okay, so obvious answers aside, uh, I would remake the Disney Star Wars trilogy. That's an easy one. Although Carrie Fisher has passed away and Harrison Ford wouldn't do it. Now, again, this is another boring uh, Doctor Who answer for people, but every time they release new Blu-rays and DVDs of classic Doctor Who episodes, they have been enhancing some of the special effects. Now, they don't have gigantic budgets. Like, they don't have Lucasfilm-style budgets when they do these new effect shots. And so a lot of the time the effects are done by people like me. In many cases, I can tell the plugins they're using on After Effects to redo the lasers and stuff. Now, the thing is, classic Doctor Who is full of terrible special effects. So literally, what we can do today with like 30 seconds of motion tracking and After Effects, and you can then produce a laser beam that actually looks like it's coming out of the gun in like two seconds. So there's certain effects from classic Doctor Who you can improve immediately. And for the most part, some of these amendments have been okay to the these old Doctor Who episodes, but sometimes they replace like model shots with CGI, but the CGI is sort of, I don't want to say amateur level, but it's not film grade CGI. And so in some cases, the cheap model shot is actually still more charming. Um, The reason why I'm saying this is because if I had a lot of money, I have a selection of classic Doctor Who episodes that I would pump a lot of money into to improve significantly to the point where, you know, we might theoretically reshoot scenes because the thing is classic Doctor Who was shot on 16 millimeter for exteriors and the interiors were shot on video so you could go back like hire actors and remake some of the costumes and stuff and then you know if you want an action scene to be more dynamic because they filmed it like shit and it's not directed in an exciting way and so you you film a shot on a replica set and actually have like more extras running around getting zapped by laser beams and stuff and like just make a sequence more interesting Um, They actually did that with one episode of classic Doctor Who, Day of the Daleks.
where they actually reshot new footage on old uh, 16mm cameras to just add a bit more action to the final battle scene because it's pretty static in the original version. As much as I love classic Doctor Who, it is actually a hard show to recommend people because I, I don't think there's necessarily a perfect Doctor Who story. There's always something. Even in like the best stories, there's some wonky creature or maybe it's slightly too long or the pacing's too slow or the music's weird. Like, I love it, but I can understand why it would be weird for some people. And there's some episodes that just get so close to being perfect, but then there's something. So my personal favorite Doctor Who episode is one called uh, Caves of Androzani from 1986, I think. And it's Peter Davison's last episode. And it's just the best directed episode of classic Doctor Who. The performances are amazing. And it's a pretty flawless episode, except there's this magma creature. And it's basically just a guy in a dragon suit. And the costume itself isn't terrible, but it's so stiff and it's not designed to move. So essentially it looks cool, but it's basically just a guy whose arms don't move and it's sort of like a Godzilla thing where like he's just got his arms sticking straight out and they try and film around it, but there's just some shots where you just see it. Clearly people could just run away from this thing and so I would love to go into that episode with a significant enough budget because I bet you honestly these Doctor Who Blu-rays, like the new special effects budget, I would be surprised if it was any more than like $6,000 just to pay like one special effects artist a month worth of work. So I would love to go into that episode and get an artist to recreate the creature as it looked, but then animate it like an actual lizard. So instead of it being some stiff guy in a suit, it like crawls up walls and stuff and is actually like really imposing and then morph it like they do in the old uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies where they would morph between the real actor, but then when he's about to swing he turns into the CGI Spider-Man and so I would do that where the creature's like bouncing around going all crazy and then right at the last minute it morphs into the original footage just for a quick shot of the creature like grabbing the guy. Um, sorry, that sorry, that's me going uh, nerdy. Um, video games, I would like, I think, a redone high definition version of uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. That's always been my favorite, and I would love one that maybe had a bit smoother gameplay and uh, enhanced graphics and stuff. You know, frame rates and things. It is uh, the best game of all time. I'm trying to think if there's a movie or game I can think of that I wanted to really like but just failed. Oh, fucking Transformers. You know, to make a Transformers live-action movie that just stayed very true to the cartoon in terms of the robot designs and voices and stuff, and then make it set in the 80s. I mean, I know they did that with the Bumblebee movie, and, like, it was fine. Bumblebee was fine, but they still sort of made it so that it would connect up with the Michael Bay Transformers movie, so I would just like a clean break and just, here is a Transformers movie that takes place in the 80s that looks like the cartoon, and, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, that's my answer. Okay, look, again, I could probably talk about this for like an hour. Let's uh, let's listen to another song. I got a fun one here from Scarlet Soho, and it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Triple Six Club, the Mark of the Beast, people like Luke Timmermans, McGadfly, Mike Bailey, Mr. Gimson, Nefast, Nicholas Carl, Night Ride FM, and Owen Magali, and this is Scarlet Soho with I Dare.
And that was I Dare by Scarlet Soho. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Triple Six Club. We got Pooh in an alleyway, Ross Pentland, Artificial, Run the Skyway, and Schneedlewoods. And I'm still thinking about this Leanne question here. Hey, Mike, if you had unlimited money to recreate any movie or game, so what would you do? If you if resources weren't an option, what would you like to see remake in, in movie or game form? Super Smash TV. Let's turn that into a movie. Wouldn't that be like The Running Man? Yeah, but this version is is like... The Running Man book is a dark thriller. The movie was an 80s cocaine masterpiece. If you made the movie... If you made a new movie, like the book, it'd be a lot darker. And I think Edgar Wright is working on that right now. Super Smash TV is like blood in your face, blood on the cameras, blood everywhere, blood here, blood there. It'd be a really well-produced B-schlocky horror movie with all the chainsaw kills and exploding arms onto the (laughs) audience members. (laughs) I think it has more potential to be more, like, cartoony. And if you translated that to live action in a really well-done, like, if you could hire Christopher Nolan, if you had, like, all the resources in the world... It'd be like the most ridiculous idea you could pull off. I can't really picture Christopher Nolan's sensibilities doing uh, Super Smash TV. <laughs> Super Smash TV really, to me, feels like it requires the violence of a total recall. Yes. And not like a Resident Evil kind of... Like, I feel like Resident Evil movies, there's something really cheap and cheesy about them. Oh, yeah. And they like they own that aspect. I feel like I want whatever movie I'm talking about to have the pretentious seriousness of a Christopher Nolan film. But... <laughs> I'm just trying to think how that would work. <laughs> it's like, well, what about like Twisted Metal? That's a different concept. It's like that plus cars and clowns. Everybody loves clowns these days. Twisted Metal's weird because that's one of those franchises that like reinvents the plot every time. So like my favorite version of Twisted Metal, like I liked the first one where it was just like a simple car race and there was like kind of mild supernatural elements, but it wasn't too crazy. But then like... I remember Twisted Metal Black, it changed everybody's story and took the supernatural elements out and it was just like, he's a serial killer clown who drives a truck and Mr. Grimm, my favorite character, because he was a skeleton who rides a motorbike because he was undead (laughs) and then they changed it to a Vietnam War vet who like wears a skull as a mask in like Twisted Metal Black. I'm like, what the fuck is this? He's supposed to be an undead... Like, I'm a big fan of undead skeleton characters. Like, they're always my favorite character. Like, I love skeletons. Okay, so Mike's answer is he would make Smash TV the movie. Super Smash TV. 
which I don't know what the difference is, but that's the one I played. <laughs> Andy, you answered the question. What's your answer? Oh, mine was super nerdy. I already did it. Mine was like a Doctor Who related thing, so it's a... I just realized, like, my answer was, like, so um, personal that no one's going to give a shit about them. Like, I'm going to ask this to other people. Maybe <laughs> maybe they'll have more crowd-pleasing answers than, like, I'd make fucking <laughs> better special effects and old Doctor Who episodes and shit. Like, because <laughs> nobody cares about that but me. Well, to each their who. To who their own? Hmm. To who their ha. There you go. Hoo-ha. That's you. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> All right, look, let's listen to another song, all right? I want to listen to Android Automatic, which is uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Triple Six Club. Stephen Field, Staggered, Trippy, Domas Shimanek, Lolshka, Philip Back, Replicant 69, and we like to end it off with the Polar Wildcat Studios. This is Android Automatic with Fall Colors.
And that was Fall Colors by Android Automatic. So, uh, hey, Marco. Me? Yeah, if you had unlimited money mm-hmm. and you could recreate any movie or game... For whatever reason, it could be just because you want to see a newer version or maybe because the old version wasn't good and you like to see it done properly or whatever. Uh, so what, what do you think? That's a tough one, Andy, because like I don't particularly like remakes at all. For movies, I the only one I think possibly would be Dune. The movie Dune. I I love the original Dune movie. I really do. But I do wish that I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Jodorowsky's Dune was made. I yeah, wish they yeah. had like a shitload, unlimited money, unlimited fucking money, and they made this crazy ass thing. You know. How do you feel about then the the trailers so far for the new Dune? It doesn't appeal to me at all. I mean, look, I don't want to judge a book by its cover, and I try not to watch too many trailers because I did. I don't like tra- they reveal too much. But I can't say it really tickles my fancy. Have you seen the trailer? I mean, what do you think? Well, this is a weird one because I like the director and I liked Blade Runner 2049. I I like what this guy does. Hmm. But the trailers haven't appealed to me. And I like epic sci-fi. I really do. Yeah. So there's something that's been off about these trailers. Like, I'll say this. This whole year, the trailer that I love the most was for The Green Knight. And I have watched that trailer like a hundred times. And it's out now, but it's only in theaters. Green Knight. I mean, I don't even know what that is. It's like an Arthurian uh, fantasy film. But it's like, it's put out by uh, A24, that company that just makes like weird, disturbing horror films and stuff. You know, like Midsummer and... Uh, oh, yeah. Cool. So it's not going to be... Like, it's a fantasy film, but it's not going to be... Might be all right. You know... Like a Lord of the Rings thing with like a mm-hmm. giant armies riding at each other. Like it's probably going to be like a very weird kind of dreamy movie that's probably going to disappoint a lot of people who go in expecting mm-hmm. like some sort of high fantasy thing. But the movie looks cool. Like it's it anyway. The point is, I wanted to have that same feeling yeah. when I watched the Dune trailer, and I just didn't. So underwhelming. It really. It's had multiple really trailers, was. and all of them I've just been like. This movie looks just so bland. All the sets look giant and sparse right? and simple, and I don't know. I, I don't know if I require more ornate visuals. Maybe. Yeah. I think the vi- the visuals in Blade Runner twenty forty nine worked for me, mm. but then it still had these wide open shots. But then it also had like you know the the neon sort of mm. uh, uh, cyberpunk sort of city shots, and and I liked. The contrast between that and that place where Harrison Ford was hiding out, where it was all like oranges in the desert mm. with that fucking fog and stuff. Like, that was nice, I have to admit. It's a cool looking movie. And so mm. I think Dune will probably be good, but the trailers haven't interested me. Yeah, I agree. It probably will be good. And, and I'm trying not to have my hopes up too high if that's possible. But yeah, I'm sure it'll be better than the trailers. And, and that's probably a good thing now because now I'm going into it thinking, like, eh, I don't know. So, we'll see. Um, I, I don't know. But they, honestly, if I did to answer that question, that's probably about the only movie. I mean, what other movie is there? I, I don't know. I mean, all the other movies I, I really like, and I don't want to make a remake. So, but so again, I do like the original Dune a lot. I like the style. I, li- I like the actors. Everything, you know. But... I think, you know, they could make an epic movie out of it. Because if it was made back then, it wouldn't have so much CGI. It'd be more actual fucking... You know, they would actually build sets for it and, you know, map drawings and stuff like that instead of just CGI. Sometimes I think CGI is used too much, so uh, we'll see. So is your answer then that if you had unlimited money, you would make... Jodorowsky's... How do you fucking say his name? Yo, yo, did, did you pronounce I the J? I watched know. the fucking... Uh, 
that documentary. It was awesome. You did watch it? Yeah, it was pretty good. Jodorowsky's Dune. I can't fucking say his name. Jodor- Jodor- fuck off. Anyway, <laughs> so that's your answer. You you, <laughs> you would make... <laughs> that's the only answer. I mean, I can't think of anything else. All the other movies I like, or I don't see any real missed opportunities... You know, I don't, off the top of my head, that would be the one. The one! Alright, man, well look, let's listen to a song, and then we'll uh, keep chatting. I want to listen to this one from Mahoney. Mahoney makes cool music, and this is a cool song. This is Night Runner.
right, and that was Night Runner by Mahoney. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. I'm still talking to Marco here. We've been going over uh, Leanne's question about uh, if you had uh, unlimited money, what's a thing you'd remake? What about uh, video games? Video games? I mean, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, video games, fuck it. You know what? I want to see a fucking Vice City video game again and a new one, not a fucking... Not a remastered or any of that shit. I want a new Vice City Grand Theft Auto game, and I want them to spend a lot of money on it. Fuck the multiplayer. I just want a really good story mode, you know. Okay, there you go. There's a video game for you. So basically, a game that sort of plays like Grand Theft Auto V, but is set in the 80s universe with all the detail that they put into uh, the the modern GTAs, but except focused on, uh, on that era again. Exactly. No, that would be awesome. I uh, I agree. It's so weird that they put so much focus on their online, isn't it? I know. Like, isn't it weird that it's been like forty years since Grand Theft Auto Five? Yeah. Like that was a PS3 game. That blows my mind when I think about it. And I know, it blows my mind that they brought it out on three generation of consoles. So GTA Four originally came out on PlayStation Three. Then like six months or a year later or whatever it was, the PlayStation Four came out. So they're like, oh, we got a version for PlayStation Four. Great, looks better and everything. And then all of a sudden they announce, oh, it's coming out on the PlayStation 5. It's like, fucking hell, give it up already, you know? The game came out in 2013. It's been, what, fucking eight years? You know, which is the biggest gap I think they've had, you know? Skyrim, like, same thing. Yeah. That's the thing that's hilarious, that people always make the jokes about Skyrim, but pretty soon, like... You know, Grand Theft Auto Five is going to be in the same boat as Skyrim. It's just like people are still playing a game that came up. Mm. And again, it's weird because I complain about this all the time. Like, I, I want a game that I'm so invested in that I'm playing it 10 years later. Yeah. So I guess I'm envious of those people who are really focused on the GTA Online that they're playing it all the time. But I just... Uh, yeah. It's... It's fun, but I haven't had that that interest. To but who plays that shit online? I don't know anybody that still does. I mean, back in the day, sure. Someone's got to be doing it, some dude. People. Someone's got to be doing it because... And you look when they put up the posts, it's constantly, oh, we've got new racing content. And you look at the comments, and most of them are like, oh, piss off already. Does anybody still playing this? Like, why is anybody playing this broken? You know, like, yeah. I keep seeing these comments. And the other thing is, right, because that is the way it's going. I mean, talk about Rockstar, you know, uh, Red Dead Redemption, right? They have not released any DLC story, one-player story mode stuff. Like, the original Red Dead Redemption, you, they came out with Undead Nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. And then same thing. They keep announcing, oh, we've got discounts on all uh, weapons this week, you know? And so they keep advertising and pushing the online mode for Red Dead Redemption as well. And everybody in the comments is saying, bring out an Undead Nightmare already. Bring out a, I want one, pl- I don't want multiplayer. I want a fucking, I want some more story. Because it was that fucking good, you know? Yeah. I would love, again, I haven't really played too much of the online, so I don't know if it's there, but. It's not bad, but. Does it have like a horde mode? Like, I would like to do that online. No, they don't. And that's what they need. Because that would be fun. Like, go into a town, and there's just, like, waves and waves of guys, yeah. and, and you just do tackle that multiplayer, and you can just, like, play it for hours. Like, yeah. they did have that sort of in GTA, but there's, like, certain places you could go in the city where it starts a horde mode kind of thing, but mm-hmm. it gets really hard. Yes. To the point where it's, like, it's kind of fun for the first few rounds, and then it just gets so tough. Yeah, Uncharted had that survival mode online, and that was really good. Not so much with number four, I think. Didn't really have the same options. That's what people complained about. But 2 and 3 had great online modes. I used to play with my brother for hours and hours, man. Um, 
on the weekends and we'd play survival mode. There was even a co-op story mode, which was really good. There was like cutscenes and you're like on another adventure in another part of the world, you know, sort of separate from the main story. Yeah. And and it was really good, but they've kind of gone away from that I, I, for whatever reason. Yeah, it's strange. They don't have something like that. I mean, it's just basically free roaming and, and you do stuff together, but... The amount of time you have to put in to get anything, unless you want to pay like $100 or something, like you can get your own bar in Red Dead. And I played with a friend before that he must have put a lot of money or time in, and they had a bar, and you go in there and you're playing music and you're having drinks. It's really cool, right? Really awesome. But I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I want to get it myself. And I looked into what you have to do. I'm like, i got to grind for like fucking 60 hours or something, and then I'm also going to have to spend money on it to like probably 15 bucks to get it. And I'm like, you know what? This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, look. I really went off the tent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for uh, popping in these few times, but you're going you're gonna to disappear now. Yeah, I've always got something to say, Andy. Call me anytime, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, you have a lovely afternoon. I guess I'll talk to All you right, on the next... Thanks for having uh, us on the show, Andy. We'll talk to you on the next family show. you gotta, you got to go watch those uh, videos. Or have you actually done your reviews yet oh, for, for 1992? Uh, no, I haven't. And is this part of the show? Or yes, it is. Finished, I'm, right? sc- I'm scolding you. I'm telling you to get on it and uh, go <laughs> do your homework. I will. After we finish recording, <laughs> I need to ask you what I actually need to do because I got lost with all the comments on that chat sometimes. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> anyway, thanks for having me on the show, Andy. Cheers, mate. All right, man. Peace out. All right, so look, how long has this show been going? Ah, fuck, see, it's over two hours, damn it. All right, look, we got to end the show, all right? Uh, thank you so much for sending in your listener questions and your voice messages. It was a fun thing to do, and I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or PayPal. There's a link to the PayPal right on the Beyond Synth website. And also, don't forget to subscribe and all that shit to the Andy Spaceship YouTube channel. There's now an exclusive YouTube YouTube channel for Andy Spaceship. There's the Andy Spaceship Instagram and Andy Spaceship Twitter. So uh, if you would like to, please uh, subscribe and uh, give some of those videos on the the new YouTube channel a watch because it's going to be really embarrassing. (laughs) They're all going to have like six views. So uh, give them a watch and leave some comments or something. I would appreciate it. I know I've already asked you guys to do it on the old YouTube channel, but now I want you to do it on this one. You know what? I don't even care. Leave the same comment. Copy and paste your comments and just put them on the new channel. And on that note, uh, you're all cool. Thanks for listening to the show. And tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synth wave chat show there is. Thanks for Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.